episode 46 of the Cinefessions podcast. I'm one of your hosts. My name's Brandon Chowan. And joining me tonight, we have Ash Collins and Mark Nadu. Mark, how are you tonight? Yeah, and that's why you think Hero by Nickelback is the greatest rock song ever created. Oh, hey guys. I'm good. Hey, Mark. I'm good. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> A little Nickelback love to start the podcast. There's nothing wrong with that. Oh, who doesn't like Nickelback? <laughs> I actually really like Nickelback. Yeah. I, I do. I like Nickelback also. I know everybody hates on him, but I'm. I like Nickelback. And you slap him with Spider Man. Oh my God! <laughs> you're just generating money. He's drowning in puss. <laughs> oh gosh! How about you, Ash? How are things? They are getting better. Good. Glad to hear that. So. Tarantino is done, and we are moving on to the new arc, which we are starting tonight. It is the criminally underrated arc, where we look at four films that we believe are, quote-unquote, criminally underrated for one reason or another, which we'll talk about why we think they're underrated kind of at the beginning of each uh, film as we go on the week here. So just to give a reminder of the upcoming schedule, so this week we are talking about the 2002 film One Hour Photo. Next week, we're talking about the 1997 film, Perfect Blue. And then the following week will be My Science Project from 1985. And then episode 49, well, that's where you guys, the listeners, come into play. Because we have a vote going on on Cinefessions.com right now. All you have to do is go to Cinefessions.com, look on the right-hand sidebar. At the very top, there should be a poll. And it asks you which film you'd like to hear us talk about on episode 49 of the podcast. And the options are 1984's The Last Starfighter, 1983's Rock and Rule, or 2007's Zodiac. So currently, Rock and Rule is pretty much owning the vote, but there's only a small number of votes in at this point, so it can really go anyway. So make sure your voice is heard. Get out and vote. And this is an important one, because this is the Cinefessions podcast vote. This isn't like voting for president or anything silly like that. So make sure you get on Cinefessions.com and you place your vote for whatever film you want to hear us talk about and review on episode 49 of the podcast. Go rock and roll. Go rock and roll. <laughs> <laughs> yep. The Last Starfighter is Mark's pick. Rock and roll is Ash's pick and Zodiac is my pick. Not that that should influence your vote in any way whatsoever, but pick Zodiac. Yeah, so, this is not a popularity uh, contest, everybody, uh, Lost Starfighter. Um, but I'm actually <laughs> hoping for Rock and Roll because that's the only one I haven't seen yet, Lost Starfighter. So, you know, who knows? May the best person win, Mark. <laughs> well, why, why, don't we, why don't we go to cinefessions.com and, and, and check the voting? Voting, shall yes. we? Shall we? Yeah, let's, let's check. That's uh, true. And, get a vote in while we're at it <laughs> yeah you can vote you can vote up to three times that's that's what i set for the poll like an so hour make sure take advantage uh, of it i can't no, see three it times now period. oh that sucks <laughs> okay well yeah when when uh when i checked it before oh oh my wife is voting for me okay uh, <laughs> she's voting because she loves that movie not for me oh figures so, yeah, so Rock and Roll is winning. Yay! Anyway. All so. three are great options, so I'm excited either way. Just make sure your vote, your vote is made so that we know what you guys want to hear us talk about. So you'll be here for episode 49. I'm just happy to see people vote. It means that our message is being beamed to different ears. And I'm, I'm oh, yeah, I'm, I'm just excited. This is fun. Hell yeah, absolutely. Pe pe people are enjoying this, and I'm enjoying people enjoying it, so... <laughs> that's right it's an exciting time to be us that's for damn sure i'm taking off my pants <laughs> my pants are off now folks no pants party right here 
Oh, you got to go to Canada to see that one. Oh, Here yeah. In the States, I'll, we keep our pants on. I'll turn off my camera. <laughs> yeah. you pant for that one, folks. Oh, man. 25 bucks an hour. It's a deal. I think so. All right. So before we talk about what we did this past week, I wanted to talk about something that I've been hearing a lot about today, and that is the PS4.5, the PS4K, also known as, now we've come to find out, codenamed Neo. So basically what this is, is an upgraded PlayStation 4. And so a lot of websites are reporting that Sony is planning this updated PS4. And its code name, as I mentioned, is Neo. So it looks like it might sell at a $399 price point. At least that's what they talked about in the past. We don't know if that's actually what the price point is going to be. We don't actually know when the release date is for it. Um, there's been talks about October because that's when they're going to start releasing games that support it. But there's no set release date or anything like that. Um, so this one is going to have a, a higher clock speed, an improved GPU, and a higher bandwidth on the memory of the system compared to the original PlayStation 4. And this is all according to a Giant Bomb article that I read. And I will absolutely link to this Giant Bomb article um, in the show notes. So make sure you check out there. That's where I'm getting all my information from for this podcast, just FYI. Can I make a, a quick, I just want to confirm something. Absolutely. You said it was a higher clock speed, right? That's what it said, oh, yeah. Okay, I want to make sure I heard clock properly. <laughs> I'll make sure to enunciate a little better next time. My apologies. Or say it slower. That could be too. Higher clock speed. (laughs) Neo. Oh, God. Mm. So starting in October, every PlayStation 4 game is going to be required to ship with a quote-unquote base mode, which will run on the currently uh, available PS4, and then also a quote-unquote Neo mode for use on the new systems. So again... Giant Bomb is where I'm getting all this information from. So make sure you check the show notes so I find that link to that article. So I'm looking at the the sheet here, and it compares the original PS4 to the Neo. So the original PS4 had eight Jaguar cores at 1.6 gigahertz versus the Neo, which has eight Jaguar cores at 2.1 gigahertz for the CPU. The GPU, um, it looks like the Neo has an improved AMD blah, blah, blah. It's running at 911 megahertz versus 800 megahertz. Um, In the memory, it's an 8 gigabyte. Both of them are 8 gigabyte DDR5, uh, but the Neo has 218 gigs per second, whereas the original PS4 is running at 176 gigs per second. So uh, basically, the games running in the Neo mode are going to have increased, more stable frame rates and higher what they call visual fidelity when run on at 1080p on HDTVs. But it also supports, and I think this is kind of the biggest feature of it, and obviously either of you can correct me if I'm wrong, but it also p- supports 4K image output. But the games that are coming out aren't required to be 4K native. So if they come out, it's basically up to the publisher to decide if they're going to make their game that way. Um, the good thing is for current PS4 owners, there's not going to be any Neo-only games. It's If it comes out, it's going to be playable on the Neo or on the original PS4. So if, to me, I mean, the only, uh, there really seems to be virtually no Neo exclusive features that you can't find in the original PS4 outside of these graphical upgrades. So Ash, can you kind of, I don't know, give me your take on it, maybe more layman terms, like what this, the, the CPU, the GPU, the memory, like what is that actually going to equate to for the user? Um. Well, it, it'll be better frame rates, which a lot of people who like play first-person shooters and everything swear by. Okay. Um, but I mean, 
And the PS4s it, already generally have better frame rates than the Xbox One, right? Yeah. And, and it, I'm not it'll, a fanboy. I'm not a fan. I have my Xbox One and I love it to death and my PS4. I just, generally speaking, I think that's the way people look at it. Yeah, pretty much. Um, they, um, they'll they also be able to do a 1080p uh, much easier um, than than uh, they are now. Like uh, some of the games they'll have to do, you know, like uh, in the original, they've had to do 720 and like 980, I think, for some of them. Yeah. So, uh, so it's, you know, you're getting a little bit better there. Um, but mainly they're doing this, I think, to support the VR, to bump up the, you know, the PS, the PlayStation VR, uh, quite a bit. So I think, let me ask this. So are you now, Ash, are you upset that they're releasing this so soon, uh, since the original PS4's release? Not really. I mean, it's been three years. Yeah. I mean, what about you, Mark? Or you can continue, Ash. I'm sorry. Uh, it, it's it. Uh, I mean, it's it's an optional upgrade. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like Nintendo. Nintendo did this with the 3DS and the DS, except yep. they were doing it like every year. It's like, oh look, we did this for the DS. We did mm-hmm. this for the DS, and it's just like, oh look, you know, all these neat new features for the DS. It's the same fucking DS. It's just we're gonna charge you. $50 less for the one that we put out last year and we will charge you the same price for the new one. Right. And it's the same the same package. You're just getting a little bit of uh, options with it. Mm-hmm. I, and it, it makes sense. It, it just it, It's like, you know, it, that would be like me being mad that I bought a PS4 with a 500 gig hard drive when they released one with a terabyte hard drive this year. Right, yeah. It's been three years. You know, it's just, come on. They, they they make they're going to make hardware improvements. If you really want to wait until they're done making improvements, you have to wait until they're done with the system. Mm-hmm. And what about you, Mark? Is this something that you look at and you think, "Yeah, I need this"? Uh, right now, no, because I don't have a 4K TV. If mm-hmm. I did, I'd be all over it. Yeah. Um, but like I said, you know, it is normal for them to make tweaks and stuff. Like you had the PS One, the smaller version of the PlayStation, and then you had like the PS Two had a few different hardware versions as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and same with the PS3. It went from the PS3 flat to the PS3 slim. Um, right. As long as they keep the price point the same, then sure, go to town, you know. Um, but I'm just, I just find this curious though that they're doing this now, when uh, apparently uh, Nintendo's new NX system, which might be released by Christmas this year, might not be till uh, you know next year. They're mm-hmm. touting the best graphics um, current gen. Um, so hmm. it, it's funny how Sony is releasing this now after Nintendo touted, you know, they're going to be the most profitable system on the market. Well, when apparently I guess they won't be with the 4.5 coming out. Um, yeah. now I'm curious about the Sony VR. I, I'm not going to run out and buy it right away because I'm usually an early adopter. Um, I bought the PlayStation move for the PS3 and man, <laughs> did that stink. And I spent a right. lot of cash on that because of course I needed four controllers Mm-hmm. Um, and same thing with the PS4. For the first year, the PS4 really, personally, had fuck all for games. It's only yeah. it's in second year of development where the games started to trickle out. Um, so when it comes to the VR, as much as I'd love to play it, one, I don't really have the room in my place for all these sex games, and two, um, <laughs> I just want to wait. I don't know what you, what's so funny. I don't know. I don't want to. I, I want to wait a bit to see to make sure that uh, you know there will be um, you know games for this product because unlike previous attempts, uh, you know they come out with a first wave of games and then it just dies out. 
Like, can you name any PS Move games after the original launch titles? Yeah, no. I'm sure you can do, like, Heavy Rain, you know, they added Move moves and stuff like that. Or maybe, was that a Move game to begin with? I don't recall. I don't remember. I don't remember. Yeah. I know, I know it was an awesome game. Um, but, uh, yeah, like, really, that died. And, you know, other, you know, gimmicky stuff hasn't done too well. So we'll see how this VR thing pans out. Because the 3D, the 3D, which I loved, never panned out. You know, yeah, the 3D kind of died uh, within a year or so. Like, they're not making mm-hmm. 3D games anymore, which sucks. They're still releasing 3D movies, but that's yep. slowly coming to a trickle as well. Yeah. I, um, I, I'm with, when the VR, when it comes to VR, I'm definitely with you. Like, I want to try it. I love, you know, I love being an early adopter, but this one I'm definitely waiting on. Uh, I just think the price point is going to be too high right when, when it starts. Not going to be something I'm going to jump on, but I'm definitely interested in trying it out. Um, but it, when it comes to the, the new PS4, I'm not going to get it. I have no interest in getting it. The one person I've talked to that is, they said, yes, if this happens, I'm selling my PS4 and getting this new one, no doubt about it. It's because he had a P, uh, 4K TV that he swears by. And that makes sense. He loves his 4K TV. So yeah, if I had a 4K, yeah, I, I might, you know, I probably would, but I have, you know, I just spent a ton of money on a home theater system and it's 1080p max. And so I'm not going to notice. I feel like that's the thing. If I don't, if you don't have 4K, you're not going to notice that much of a difference between the PS4 and the, and the Neo or whatever the hell they end up calling it when yeah. it comes out the PS4K. So like, are you yeah. seeing that much of a difference? Like, like, right. like legit, like to exactly. see like, wow, it's like night and day. I had mm-hmm. like it, you know, you've Me got too. your, you've got your high, de- your high def Netflix, but then you pop into Blu-ray there, you see a yeah. difference. Right, um, but I'm not willing to swap my whole entertainment system just to just to accommodate 4.5. Right, and like, and when it comes back to the to the VR thing, you mm-hmm. know, I get motion sickness playing Wolfenstein 3D back on my old 386 PC. So oh. I really want to test it to make sure I don't get that motion sickness. Uh, right, you know, yeah. the, the VR tracking. That's what concerns me the most about it. I know, Ash, you don't do well with 3D, right? Mm-hmm. No, I, well, and the VR is going to be slightly different anyway. Um, okay. Uh, it, it it's gonna work just a lot like the Vive and um, the other one that that came out recently. Um, it's just it's they're used. You know, Sony's got their own hardware for it. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, you know, Sony's got the cheapest entry point for the VR uh, out there as far as having the console and the VR. So right. that's got a nice bonus for it there because you don't need an $1,800 PC or a $1,500 PC on top of the $800 for the goggles for the mm-hmm. PC ones. Mm-hmm. So, you know, but so they got that, but yeah, I, I, I think a lot of it, I think actually a lot of the 3d films not coming out on, on, on Blu-ray and stuff on 3d is because, uh, uh headaches. Um, I think I get headaches. My wife gets headaches. Like I can, if the movie's about an hour and a half to two hours long, I'm good. Uh, and I don't get a headache, but anything over that two hours and I will get a splitting headache before the movie's done. Okay. Yeah. I, yeah, the only movie that we really, really went and saw that that didn't necessarily happen, uh, was Avatar, uh, believe it or not, Mm -hmm. way back when, um, which is probably the best 3d movie out there. Oh yeah. Uh, they did such a good job with that. And it's just. It's like most of them, they do post-process 3D, and it's just like, you know, mm-hmm. screw that. If you're not going to film it in 3D to have the, the actual depth there instead of faking it later, you know, yeah. don't bother. Yeah, I'm not getting the headaches with the 3D um, movies, at least, because I've got, a, I guess, a passive 3D TV, 
so I can use the uh, the glasses that they offer in the theaters. Yeah, it'll work on my TV. It's not those uh, battery powered glasses. Oh, uh, see, I get it from the theater though too. Uh, oh, like the really? theater, gla- yeah, okay. the theater glasses like will screw me up. The IMAX ones, like if I go to the IMAX ones to yeah. see it in IMAX, I'm okay with those. Like I haven't had any problem with that, um, but my wife gets headaches either way. It's just whatever they're using with the 3D technology just doesn't sit well. It's funny those hmm. 3D IMAX glasses they actually hurt me because I find they pinch really hard, and like you have to adjust the arms on it because mm-hmm. they're uh, they're not hinged. It's like a one molded piece of plastic, so I find it kind of grips your head a lot. And the tips, like if you keep them in the same spot, like uh, on the back of your head or whatever when it's resting, because I'm wearing two pairs of glasses. Um, it, yeah, it really, really fucking hurts. <laughs> that's why, like, when I went to see uh, Batman Superman, I'm like, yeah, I'm getting a headache. It's because my glasses are <laughs> too tight. I got yeah, tight that's why I didn't. Folks. I noticed that with the IMAX ones that I and I don't like those compared to the regular 3D. When I go to see a, a movie in 3D, I don't mm-hmm. mind those. But I have uh, my my projector is active 3D. My okay. TV upstairs is passive, and so I've spent a lot more time with the passive because um, we just we've only watched like I think Godzilla in 3D on my active one, so yeah. I can't really compare them too much yet. Um, but it'll be interesting to see if uh, I find a difference in, in in those two having access to both. So we'll see. Yeah, I, I know. Like my dad's got a 3D TV as well, and it's mm-hmm. one of those active ones, and it yeah. sucks for him because he's only got two pairs of glasses. So when yeah, the rankings come over, too. you can't watch 3D glasses be, or 3D movies because you only have two pairs of glasses and the glasses are like, you know, 50 to 80 bucks a pop to buy. Yeah, they're stupid. Yeah, yeah. so that's too bad. But yeah, I wish my projector was passive, but it's just the way it is. So we just bought two pair. We don't really have many people over that want to watch 3D anyway, so it's not a huge deal. But. Yeah. All right. So Ash, what have you done this past week in the world of media? Anything exciting? Um... I'm very disappointed with Netflix because I added um, the third movie to the thing and got, you know, one hour photo back really quick and they're sending me Scream 4. So I'll finally be able to watch Scream 4. Um, hey, there we go. It's but, pretty good. Uh, yeah. It's a plus. But uh, yeah, I'm still on a short wait for our third movie. So we'll see how that goes. Okay. I'll, I'll have to watch Scream 4 and send it back real fast. <laughs> <laughs> or I can change my pick. <laughs> No, no worst case no, scenario, don't you dare. Worst case, I'll just buy it because it's only six bucks. So I'll just send you the Blu-ray. It's not a big deal. It's really <laughs> cheap on Amazon. So no yeah. big deal at all. Um, Where is my viewing activity on Netflix? What did I watch? Oh, oh, dear God. Uh, well, I recommended Hush last week. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, you did. Yes, which was still excellent. Um, But uh, so I watched two movies. Um, One of them I'd added to my list because I thought it was a werewolf movie. Not knowing it was an asylum werewolf movie. Oh no! Uh, so I watched. Yeah, yeah. It was terrible. Um, I, it was. <laughs> it wasn't. It, it wasn't like terrible, terrible. But it was just like it, you could tell it was an asylum movie with better planning involved. Okay. Uh, uh, but Little Dead Rotting Hood. Um, it sounds <laughs> awful. Not heard of that. Um, but it's it's actually got a couple of, of decent scenes to it, um, some some decent kills and stuff like that. But it's just like some of the acting is you know very asylum esque. Um, but they got in a couple of actors that I'd seen in other stuff. This one guy, the the lead actor in it is uh, he's like a uh, ship captain in Haven, uh, which is where I saw him first. I don't remember his name. 
Hmm. Uh, but he was also in uh, not Battle Los Angeles, the other one that came out. Oh, like, the shitty one with Skyline. Uh, Skyline, yeah, that's the one. He, oh, I hate that, that movie. Oh, I uh, liked it. But he was the one in Skyline who got turned into the alien. Um, okay. Spoilers, but uh, so he's in Little Dead Riding Hood. But uh, and then one of the guys from Starship Troopers is in it, but he's terrible in it. Um, I, so there was that. Um, <laughs> but I mean, it, it's got an interesting idea behind it, but it's not one you know. I'm going to say, oh, you have to go out and watch it. It's right. like if you kind of like zombie hunting, or you know, zombies that hunt werewolves. You know, it's worth hmm. look. That at least sounds for cool. That. Yeah, zombies yeah, that just, hunt werewolves. How cool would that be? You know? Yeah, just. Just kind of, you know, grab some popcorn, sit back, and just kind of zone out. Um, right. Well, the other one. Hang on, once uh, before you move on, I'm glad that you watched an asylum film, Mark. I don't know if you know, but um, over the past couple of years, we've been we did an April in the Asylum feature each April, where each like all of us would watch asylum movies, and we would post the asi- movies from the asylum reviews all month long. So I'm glad we decided not to do it this year. Yeah, that's and so, absolutely horrible. Yeah. yeah, April. April was hell. I'd rather put uh, my pubic hair than uh, watch an asylum film. Oh man, some of them aren't bad at all. Mm, you say. <laughs> as long as you can find the ones that are the B movies as opposed to the D movies, you know you're doing okay. It's just right. that it, most of my, you know, I, I would always get four out of the five would be the D class movies yeah. as opposed to the B <laughs> for me. So you know, it's like, ugh, thank God. Um, the other one I watched um, was, which I thought was going to be a direct sequel and isn't, even though they have a number two behind it, uh, is Fright Night 2, which hit Netflix within the last couple of weeks, I guess. Um, the remake or the or the, uh, or the original? It's, well, it's a well, sequel. I guess the sequel, I guess the most it, recent one. Yeah, it's a sequel to the remake. Gotcha. But, yeah, but isn't it? Yeah, go ahead. It, it's, except it's not. It's yeah. not a sequel. They basically take the original Fright Night and the sequel to the original Fright Night and mash them into one movie. And that then there's the whole idea behind it is they're treating it like James Bond. You know, each Fright Night's going to be a whole separate version of Charlie and his girlfriend and his friend who are fighting vampires. And then we have another version of Peter Vincent. It was oh, wow. shit. It yeah. was utter shit. It was I like the. I uh, like the Fright Night remake. I'm disappointed the, that they didn't yeah. actually do a straight sequel. Yeah, it, it was... Eddie was a good... Uh, uh, Evil Ed, yeah. the actor for Evil Ed, was a good highlight for Fright Night 2. Charlie was terrible. I hated him through the whole movie. I just wanted him to die. Um, <laughs> the vamp, the head vampire chick, she was cool. Yeah, Could have like done it. with more of her. Yeah. I thought uh, she was the only bright point of that film. Yeah, and it was just... It, like, even... Peter Vincent, who was like the screaming highlight of the remake and the of the original Fright Night, yeah, uh, was just terrible in this. It was just like I just mm. wanted to punch him in his face every time he popped up on the screen, and it it's it just it, it's not worth your time. Like if you you're seeing it, it's like oh you know Fright Night too. No, just avoid it. Just <laughs> I avoid it. Fucking own on Blu-ray. I'm so oh. ashamed. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I oh. took it for the cover art because she's on the cover, right? And I'm like, well, I've got the original, I've got the remake on blue. I'm at mm-hmm. Walmart. It's seven bucks. I'll pick it up. <laughs> and she is the bright point of the movie, but if she's not in it enough to like that, they'd rearranged it to focus around her story 
you know, and then them coming and fucking up her plans, that would have been more interesting. But yeah, <laughs> yeah there it is. Um, but uh, yeah, other than one hour photo, it's just you know that was it for me. So excellent, cool. How about you, Mark? Uh, I saw some gems. I saw some stinkers. Yeah. So um, <laughs> since we last spoke, I finally watched uh, a copy of Joysticks. Uh, 1983, uh, kind of like a Porky's sex comedy in a way. Yeah, I've heard of it, oh, but I've not I seen Porky's. it. Oh, Porky, well, Porky's Revenge is one of my one of my favorite <laughs> young adult. You know, not supposed to watch this movie that my friends and I found a copy of and watched the shit out of. Well, this is a fantastic like Saturday night, late night on TV cable film. Um, involves uh, a local businessman. Who wants a arcade shutdown because uh, arcades is where the privacy happens and people get attacked. <laughs> and it is a fucking amazing. I knew That's I was awesome. gonna enjoy this right off the bat when the theme song to the movie was catchy <laughs> and used the titles, uh, the title of the film like nine, ten times in its chorus. <laughs> you know, this movie will not fly these days like it will not get made because you know how some 86 comedies are kind of on, on PC yeah uh, well there's a pretty the only scene I, I kind of had an issue with but again sign of the times it's different now from then blah 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 so I won't poo poo it but there's mm-hmm. one scene where these two guys they break into a house to to distract someone or some stupid thing but then you know the uh uh, the businessman's wife, she's uh, on the sleeping pills, but she's acting on her dreams. And, you know, <laughs> one of the, 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 the main character who's a nerd, he's a virgin. And his buddy's like, ah, man, you want to, you know, you want to break your virginity? Go ahead. And, you know, oh. but, right. And so it sounds bad, right? But then, you know, she's right. having a sex dream. So it's like he falls into the bed and she's starting to grope and molest him. Oh, but wow. she's sleeping. So, like, that obviously will not happen in a sex sex comedy these days right back then um, no, no it might the asylum yeah. you, uh, yeah. i will give the asylum this much the asylum does do almost yes. decent sex comedies mm-hmm. almost but, decent the thing with asylum movies though is that though the girl would be actually a green screen cgi image so it's not really a girl you know? <laughs> <laughs> but so so this film uh, i i was like i started watching it and i'm like fuck this is awesome just because it's awesome you see, you know, tons of boobs and 80s boobs, awesome 80s boobs, like <laughs> perfect, right? But then <laughs> there's oh, there's a gang, a new wave punks that like to hang out at the arcade. And the I guess the, it's like four girls and, and one guy. And the guy is the guy who played um, shit. Uh, well, his name is... Um, it's John Greaves, and he's uh, the uncle in uh, Napoleon Dynamite. Uh, with oh, okay. Uncle. Oh, okay, yeah. So he's in full fucking new wow. wave punk makeup. <laughs> he's called King Vidiot because he's the king of the video <laughs> arcade. And he's got four other girls with him, all dressed up in new wave punk outfits as well. And they pretend they're like Pac-Man and the four ghosts. It is so weird. <laughs> But it's so – I don't want to ruin anything because you need to seek this movie out. Um, yeah. Soundtrack's awesome. The, the movie is actually really decent and it's funny. Like I give it like – I think I think give it like five stars. Like <laughs> for what it is though, right? Like it, it, right. it's no uh, Glorious Bastards. But for an 86 comedy, it's probably one of my favorite ones. 
Um, so didn't that did that just come out on Blu-ray recently? I don't know. I have no, okay. a 25 year anniversary. I think Scorpion releasing re-released it. Oh, okay. Uh, but I knew that it had an original DVD release, but then got pulled because of um, of uh, in, uh, uh, it had a lot of uh, Pac-Man references, so it had trademark oh. issues. Oh, okay. and one more thing: this movie almost uh, reflexes or ref- reflexes uh, reflects the Wizard. You know that '89 Nintendo oh, really? movie? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. At the end, there's a big video competition. Blah blah. blah. It's exactly that without the whole road trip thing. Everything happens That's in awesome. the arcade. Wow. It's, it's pretty cool. And they play a new game that nobody ever played before. And it's the Super Pac-Man Arcade, which oh, I don't wow. think it actually got a release in North America. Maybe it oh. did. It was limited. It was actually it was actually really cool. So I highly recommend as an 86 comedy, Joysticks is worth checking out. Um, so better than Pixels? <laughs> you know, I haven't watched Pixels, Pixels yet. I, I bought it on uh, like a, uh, Black Friday, but I still haven't watched it yet. But I can uh, probably yeah, but, attest that it is much better. Um, <laughs> uh, oh, one more thing in this film. Um, the businessman's daughter hangs out at the arcade. Uh, you might have seen her before. Her name is Patsy uh, Rudder. Pardon me, no, that's the uh, character's name. Uh, her name is Corrine Bower. She's got. You might have seen her before in other films. She's like a character actress. Okay. But she plays complete valley girl in this movie. Hmm. Like, you know Frank Zappa's valley girl song? Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, you know, in the chorus, it's like you're like, oh my god, I can with a spoon. And all that stuff. <laughs> she talks like that the whole film. It is fucking priceless. Wow. I that's why, like, I have a boner for '80s movies to begin with. So <laughs> this one is right up my alley. So I'm so happy I got a copy of that. Um, awesome. So apart from that, um, me and Melissa, we spent uh, a day watching flicks, and she had never seen the Burbs before. Oh, so, okay. Uh, you know the Tom Hanks uh, film from '89. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's like his last good comedy, mm-hmm. in my opinion. So we watched The Burbs again. I had seen it many times. I love that film. She loved it. If anybody's never seen The Burbs before, it's a Joe Dante film. If you like matinee, if you like Gremlins, you, you're going to love The Burbs. Like it's it's oh, a dark comedy. Fantastic. I remember yeah. watching it in the theaters. Oh my god, it, it's so awesome. Like the Clopex, the neighbor, like. It's a must see. You have to go see the film. Yeah, um, my wife loves it. Yeah, yeah. Like, if you haven't seen it, run and get it. It's not on Netflix uh, Canada. I we did watch it on Show Me because for some reason I don't okay. own a copy of this film. So it's on Show Me. And what I kind of like about Show Me is they're not high def. Some of their video feeds are pretty shitty. Uh, mm. So we watched the burbs. It looked like a VHS copy, which oh, wow. was kind of oh. awesome. Oh, yeah, <laughs> because it's from '89, you know. Right. So it had this. Re- so it, it probably wasn't as bad as VHS, but it had a really retro feel to it, which I kind of dug. Very so cool. Canadians, it's on Show Me. Check it out. Um, apart from watching one hour photo uh, this week twice, I, to finish my day yesterday, I have had uh, a movie I picked up at Cinema Wasteland for probably a few years now. I guess two years. It's 2014. It's called Time to Kill, and it's made by Mostly Harmless Pictures. Mm-hmm. Holy fuck, was it bad. Uh, I have <laughs> a small crush on Ellie Church. She's the lead in the film. Uh, so I really wanted to like this movie, but it was horrible. They tried to make this as a grindhouse film, mm-hmm. but using really shitty uh, computer effects. 
and yeah. having bad gags like missing real. The movie is 75 minutes long, and that's probably with end credits. And there's a good eight-minute intermission of bullshit. Oh, jeez. Uh, it's pretty much the set's pretty much in some guy's basement, pretending that they're a bar, and it's nothing but girls dancing naked. Um <laughs> But not not in a good way. Like, it, 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 <laughs> you know, like, it's a, it's a cheap, like, indie film, but not yeah. a good indie film. So, like, ah, it was just it was just bad. And the story, to me, really made no sense. Uh, Sarah, who was played by Ellie Church, she seems, at, the, at first, she's a housewife, goes to the doctor. She's got 10 hours to live. <laughs> so, she goes on a murder spree. <laughs> of course, but, yeah. So she saves another girl from a guy treating a girl like shit. So then, of course, they make out in the shower. Then she takes her to the bar. But if she's like a housewife, how does the bar know her very well? Because apparently she used to strip there. But it, it's so weird. It's it's bad. I, I, feel, I feel bad. If I didn't own a copy that was signed, I would probably chuck it. <laughs> Do not watch uh, Time to Kill. It looks horrible. Um, so yeah, that's, that's how I pretty much ended my viewing week up until today. Um, okay. yeah, I was very disappointed. What did you watch? Let's see. Well, Ash suggested that I watch Hush. And so I went into work a little later on Monday, I guess it was. Mm-hmm. And so I ended up watching Hush before I went in and, um, or no, this had to be last Friday, but anyway, I watched Hush and, um, there's an element that Ash, you didn't talk about last week. And I'm not going to talk about it now because it's not, a, it's not really a spoiler, but I think it, it could it's, be, it's interesting. Yeah. It's something that I found was really fascinating going in once it started. I was like, Oh, that's very cool. Um, but yeah, it's just a really well done home invasion film and i actually you know i love home invasion which is why you said specifically that i would should watch it and i think why i like them so much is just because they're so scary because it can literally be anybody at any time Mm -hmm. anywhere and that it, it like just on a personal level that's what always scared me especially when i was younger you know i'd always have nightmares and it was always about like home invasion type things because it's just so scary um and so this one um, did that really well. Just kind of the the whole randomness of it. Yeah, I have to watch this on my next days off. Yeah, I don't hush. Spoiled, yeah, hush. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. It's a uh, great movie. Yeah, so I was I was really happy, really happy that I watched it. Uh, definitely going to recommend it. Like I said, I don't want to say too much about it. Um, Ash, uh, rather, Mark, maybe when you get around to watching, we can talk a little bit more about it. Not maybe go into too many spoilers, but just talk about some of the, the more... Um, uh, some of the elements that are revealed right in the beginning of the film. Yeah, I'll make sure we, um, I watch it before our next uh, before our next recording. So yeah, sounds good. So I forgot to mention that's all. I, that's all I watched this past week. But uh, I forgot to mention that I finished um, Identity Crisis, the comic series, the comic book last week. And um, wow, is it the DC Identity Crisis? Yes. So is that DC their Identity most Crisis. recent um, multi no. uh, arc uh, or multi issue storyline? No, it's it's older. I don't know when it came out, but I know there's like two after it, three after it. Yeah, there's so many crises in and I own. Universe. I think Crisis on Infinite Earths was one of the bigger ones. But. Yeah, I know Final Crisis is out. Um, okay. And I think that one came, I think it went Identity Crisis, Infinite Crisis, Crisis on 
whatever Earths, you just said it, and then Final Crisis. Those are the ones I know about, but I'm no expert. So I'm is this before the 52 reboot? Oh, no, and uh, Identity Crisis came after, actually, it uh, looks like. After? Uh, after um, Crisis on Infinite Earths, because it came out in 2004. Oh, so this is old then? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Like 12, this one's like, tw- yeah, it's like 12 years old. Yeah. Do you guys okay. follow comics at all? Because now they're uh, DC's doing the whole rebirth thing. So they're killing 50, the universe 52 and they're putting everything back in one full universe or. Am- that's, that's the theory. Yeah. They're, they're changing things up again. Yeah. But was it broken? I, I thought the 52 universe was actually doing pretty good. Well, the new 52 universe was doing okay. It was not doing the gangbusters that they thought it would because they pissed off a lot of people who were older than, that were following stuff because they basically started over with the characters again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and Rebirth, they're kind of bringing some of them back. Like, they've ended up bringing back the original Superman um, and Lois Lane relationship because people were pissed that he was dating Wonder Woman and and all sorts of stuff. So. Hmm. No, yeah. no offense, but if I'm Superman, I want some Wonder Woman. I don't want the Lewis. Yeah, well, see, oh, see, Wonder Woman and Superman to me just don't mix. Batman and Wonder Woman, yes, but Batman would never date Wonder Woman because they're in the Justice League together, and he doesn't date teammates. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not. I wish I, I I'm not that uh, knowledgeable of it of things like that. I get, I, but I'm I'm trying to read more to learn more because I want to be, you know, yeah. but. Yeah, there's uh, so I'm a, trying to read like big ones, you know. Big there's arcs. a yeah, there's a great moment in the Justice League animated. I think it's the Justice League animated series where Wonder Woman's talking to, to Batman about it because they'd kind of flirted back and forth, and she's like, "So you know," and he and Bruce is, looks at her. He's like, "Look," he's like, "You know, I am a billionaire playboy with daddy issues, lots of daddy issues," <laughs> <laughs> or, you know, and, and he's like, you know. And, uh, you know, plus I don't date teammates because, you know, there's a problem with the, you know, sure. it's it's a really funny moment, though. Hmm. Well, they say don't dip your pen in company ink. <laughs> I've done it three times. <laughs> That's for another podcast, folks. <laughs> yeah, but um, Ash, have you read Identity Crisis? Um, no, that was um, I wasn't reading a lot of DC at the time. Uh, oh, okay. I was uh, around 2004. I was um, X-Men, more X-Men. Gotcha. So. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I've everything I find I want to read has been DC lately. Um, I read uh, Civil War last summer. I read that storyline last summer and it was, it was good. It was great. But otherwise, I've just, I don't know. There's something about DC's world that I just enjoy. See, I like, I, yeah, I like DC's world a little bit more because it, it's a little bit more fantastical. Mm-hmm. Uh, Marvel tends to do science with a lot of their stuff, which is a little bit more realistic. But at the same time, I mean, how many people with mutant genes are actually going to be able to do the shit that the X Men do, realistically? But <laughs> but yeah, that they, they they handle their worlds very differently. But, yeah. yeah, I find um, it funny but I love I, I'm I'm a big Batman mark now. Mm-hmm. Back when I used to collect comics, it was all about X Men. And oh, okay. I just don't care. And now I'm trying to collect all old Batman trade paperbacks. And I'm, mm-hmm. I just find the characters the most interesting. It has got the best uh, rogues gallery. Um, can, I, can you name me any X-Men uh, villains that was created since 2000 that's actually like really well known? Like, no, because right? Marvel – well, no. And, and it's because Marvel has been 
too focused with we're going to have all of the superhero teams fight each other instead of actually, you know, fighting bad guys. Yeah. Basically, since since Civil War, they've had more heroes versus heroes in the Marvel Universe than heroes actually fighting bad guys. So, and it's like, that's what's actually really driving me nuts about their universe. It's just like they never it's like they they've lost the ability to come up with a big bad to fight. So they just have their guys like mashed action figures together and have a big brawl. It's just kind of it. And isn't that like a conflict of interest for Wolverine since he's in every superhero group? Like, yeah. he just should just step back and just have a cigar. Right? I think that's why they, <laughs> you know? that's that's part of the reason they killed him, I think. Yeah. Um, but, I don't hmm. know. Well, you know, I'm kind of excited for Civil War 2 because it's going to be kind of linked to Cap 3 or some stupid thing. So, I'm curious about it. I'm not going to seek out all 60 issues of it. But if I can get one nice hardcover tome, I will easily read the hell out of it. See, yeah. uh, everything I've read about the new Civil War has just made me roll my eyes just because they basically set it up. So instead of the characters picking their sides based on their actual ideologies, they've picked them based on, okay, we can have captain versus captain. We can have, you know, the two team oh. leaders going against each other. We can have this guy versus this guy, this guy versus this guy based on, okay, the fights will look fantastic, but it's not going to fit the characters gotcha mm. it's more Which, about splashy pages than the actual like yeah yeah it, yep and yeah marvel i don't know who's in charge of them right now in the comic end of things but i know that they were part of the reason that the marvel cinematic universe wasn't allowed to do some different things okay. uh and then the event when disney bought them that disney eventually got wise and we're just like okay you guys are two separate entities you know you guys handle things very differently <laughs> and yeah. go from there. Yeah. It, it, what I'm. Oh, fuck. I lost my train of thought. Um, Sorry. <laughs> no, no, it's all good. It's all good. It was probably stupid ramblings, anyways. <laughs> yeah, but I absolutely loved Identity Crisis. Um, it is yeah. <laughs> one of the most mature comics I've ever read. And the art, what they choose to, to show and what they choose not to show is is stunning. It's such a. If you, if you enjoy that, the DC Universe, it's definitely one worth reading. Now, you've um, read Year One, right? Batman Year yeah, One? Yeah, Year One. Yep. And, and did you read Long Halloween? Uh, yes. I did, yeah. Okay. It was great. Um, I haven't read Killing Joke, but they are doing an animated oh. movie based off of it. Yeah, Killing Joke is so short. Need to read animation, too. Yeah. Um, Killing Joke has some problems with it, uh, just just because of the way they treat Barbara Gordon and Batgirl throughout. <laughs> but I mean, other than that, the way they handle Joker is pretty good. Um, yeah. Which is the whole point of it. So that one's okay. Um, I'd, I, as far as Batman goes, I would highly recommend any of the the Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo trade paperbacks that they've got out now. Uh, because the art's fantastic and Scott Snyder's storytelling with Batman is awesome. Uh, uh, all which, the way through What are you it. talking about? I'm sorry. Which one? Um, Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo, they're the, they're, they were the current ones as of issue 51, as of issue 51, they're not going to be on the book anymore, but they've, they basically been on Batman from issue one through issue 51 throughout its run in the new 52. Uh, and he's got some of the better storylines with it and they've collected all of them and trade paperbacks as they went. But yeah, I was going to say one not to, uh, to reread, which is very popular nightfall. I reread those recently. Holy shit, they're bad. <laughs> you know, when he breaks his back and whatnot, and Bane and oh, it is yeah. horrible to read. It's is unbearable. 
That's interesting. Mm. I'm trying to figure out what my first app, because I want to get one of the absolute editions. Um, and I'm thinking it, it, like it was going to be Batman Hush, but I ended up reading that digitally. And I'm sorry, it was going to be All-Star Superman, but I ended up reading that digitally, which I want to talk about in a second. Um, but I'm thinking I want it to be Batman Hush, the absolute edition. Okay. Do you think, is that? Oh, Hush is fantastic. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. I think that's what I was going to be. That character apparently is so good that like, I don't, I haven't read that story yet. But mm-hmm. people refuse to spoil who that character is because that storyline was that good. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, if you can get like the the version that has everything in it, because they did like a Hush Volume One and a Hush Volume Two to collect it. If you can get the one that has everything in one, do that. Yeah, that's the Absolute Edition, and it's mm-hmm. like oversized and everything. That's that's the one I'm going to get. It's on sale on In Stock Trades for like fifty five bucks right now. I'm just going to do it. Yeah, it's it's an excellent storyline. Um. They they managed to include most of his his villains in it too, which is fantastic. Awesome. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. I was doing a it was like a solo podcast series I don't know, last year or something where I was gonna like try to read through like twelve major I, th- I forget how many major um, Batman storylines, and so that's why I was I started off with you know Year One and Long Halloween, and then mm-hmm. whichever one came after that, I think I read one more. Um, so I'm trying to like get the big ones, especially from the DC universe, because I read Civil War. Um, in Marvel, and I don't really know what I would want to go next. I started reading Astonishing X-Men, the Joss Whedon run, which I fucking loved, okay. um, but I actually never finished, and I got rid of Marvel Unlimited, which is like the app that you can read all their uh, comics on, okay. and so I n- wasn't able to finish that, but... It, it, Whedon's run on Astonishing is worth picking up in trades if you if you can find it. Yeah. Uh, I've got all four trade paperbacks for that one, and Whedon's run on Astonishing was excellent. I think I own, I think I own one or two of them, and I think though I've read those now that i think about it because i bought them i think i bought them after the fact i don't remember i don't know but yeah it's definitely one i need i need to pick up but yeah i was thinking about which absolute i want because i really wanted to get an absolute edition just like i want to get a marvel omnibus yeah which i'm thinking i don't know i'm leaning toward um animal man the grant morrison animal man okay I've heard that one's excellent, but I, I'm not sure because I just read All-Star Superman, which is also by Morrison. And obviously, Morrison is looked at as one of the best in the industry. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the complaints about him that I've been reading was that he can be confusing at times, I guess a little convoluted at times. Okay. Um, and I did not like Arkham Asylum, uh, whatever the house on, whatever that graphic novel was called, the last house on... I forget. I'm thinking the last house on the left, but it's something. Is David Hess in it? <laughs> right. Oh, a serious house on serious earth or some shit like that. Whatever okay. the hell. I'm sure somebody knows what I'm talking about. And so that one I wasn't a huge fan of. And so I'm not sure I want to go with Animal Man. I'm still looking. But with with the Absolute Editions with DC, I wanted to go Hush. But I was thinking All-Star Superman. I ended up buying that one digitally. And I was a little disappointed with it. Um, is that one, have you read that one at all, either of you? No, I haven't. Nope. Oh, okay. Um, I'm kind of curious to pick up a bit, some Preacher just because the TV show is going to start soon. Yeah, I still have uh, the first one. I haven't read it yet. Preacher is fantastic. I used to read Preacher back in college in mm. 95, <laughs> 96, <laughs> 97, yeah. Yeah, oh, wow. Preacher, one of, my, one of my buddies was collecting it, so I didn't have to buy it. So, but yeah. <laughs> oh, beautiful artwork. The story, and well, I the covers are beautiful. The interior is down and dirty. Um, they actually posted a, uh, a photo of the guy who's playing the uh, vampire doing a recreation of one of the cover shots. Oh, and, really? uh, yeah. 
Oh, it's beautiful. I love it. And I, I think that the, the guy, uh, I think his last name is Galgun, James Galgun or something. He's the guy that plays Rudy in seasons four and five of Misfits, which I loved. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm excited to, to see his version of Cassidy. That's yeah. Cool. Cassidy is fantastic. That, I mean, the, that comic is just so twisted. I love it. So All-Star Superman, it, it's good, but there are so many moments that were just confusing to me. And they just seemed like useless additions to the to the whole arc. It's a 12-issue arc. Um, but the, the overall story of it's definitely interesting. Um, it was cool to finally read something about Superman that wasn't like him taking over the world and essentially being a bad guy. Um, yeah. cause I've been reading a lot through, uh, the injustice series, which is to me, I mean, undoubtedly my favorite kind of like alternate universe or what do they call it? Like standalone Elseworlds one shot type thing. Okay. Um, and uh, Superman's really kind of more like a bad guy in that one. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was really cool seeing this different idea, which is basically him dealing with his death, essentially. Um, so I really like that aspect of it. But I don't know, overall, probably two and a half out of four stars, whereas Identity Crisis was definitely a four star book. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I'm definitely glad I didn't buy the absolute edition of All-Star Superman. But everyone says Batman Hush is amazing, so I'm gonna I'm gonna pull the trigger on that one this week because I really I just want to own that absolute edition. So yeah, there's another one that was it was interesting, but I don't know I haven't read it in a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was uh, it's another Batman one, uh, Gotham by Gaslight. Um, oh yeah, I've heard it's, of it. I've never read it. Yeah, it's set in the 1800s. Uh, I think yeah, the 1800s, and Jack the Ripper leaves London and oh. arrives in Gotham and the in the 1800s, Batman has to hunt them down. It's it's it was pretty good. I wrote it when I remember reading it, but I That's haven't cool. read it in a long time because it came out in like I actually bought it when it came out in the 90s. So hmm. there's another one that kind of goes <clears throat> back to that era type thing. When it's, uh, I think there's like a Dracula run, right? Batman and Dracula or some shit. I think so. Yeah, Batman versus Dracula, something along those lines. So, but that that Gotham by Gaslight. I'll definitely check that out. Sounds cool. Um, Mark, I saw you got for your birthday, and it was one another absolute edition I was looking at. But it's I don't know much about it. Um, what was the you you just got it? Tell me what it was. I can't remember now. Yeah, Batman uh, Inc. Okay, yeah. So, I, go ahead. I to be honest, I haven't cracked it open yet, just because I've been oh, okay. so busy since my birthday. Yeah. But from what I gathered, it's uh, Batman kind of uh, licensed his likeness. Yeah, so that's what I was reading. Batman's from all around the world, so there's different versions of. I guess they're Batman, but it's like the Japanese Batman and the, you know, uh, mm-hmm. uh, African-American Batman. And it's like, at least that's my gist of it. So it's all these heroes using uh, Batman lightness to do whatever. So I think he becomes more of like the CEO of the company. And, yeah, that's And they'll right. pour back to him or something. I, I don't know exactly what the whole plot is. I haven't cracked the book open yet. But, yeah, like a corporation of Batman. Exactly. But, you know, like you get the absolute edition. It's got it's like nice, sli- you know, hardcover slipcover. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the book itself, it's all hard, uh, hardcover. The pages are nice and gloss. Yeah, like, it's going to be fun to read. I just haven't had the time to sit down and read it yet. But uh, cool. yeah, uh, my uh, yeah, I got that uh, got that for my my birthday, so I was very happy to uh, get it. There's a right. local bookstore that's across from my local uh, indie theater. <laughs> yeah. Uh, good and bad news on that is that I can run there, pick up some uh, used trade paperbacks or some you know previously read trade paperbacks in mm-hmm. immaculate uh, uh, condition at a really reasonable price. 
So like that, I awesome. think uh, I had seen the sticker prior to me buying it because, you know, I was looking at it before I, my, my birthday. Mm-hmm. And I think the sticker price is only $80 Canadian. Oh, okay. So uh, it's, it's a steal. I don't know what the actual retail price is on the actual... Uh, uh, I think it's a hundred. Most of the absolutes are a hundred that so I was probably one hundred US was probably like one thirty nine yeah. Canadian or something, you know. Wow. And change, but uh, yeah. So uh, I want to go back and read their cheaper back section because I've noticed yeah. a lot of Marvel and DC stuff I wanted. I just really don't want to spend the funds right now. Right. Right. So you know, but one day put a few beers in me and I'll go shopping because I love to uh, to drunk shop. <laughs> Amen to that. Mm. All right, so let's move on to our film for the day. And now we are just reviewing one film per episode, at least for these four episodes here. So today we are talking about One Hour Photo from 2002. This is written and directed by Mark Romanek. And I'll point out now, if you look at Romanek's filmography, he's mostly a music director, a music, uh, music video director. This seems to be his only feature film. He has one other one, and it's Never Let Me Go, which I believe is a, spoiler, 9-11 film. Uh, um, you mean 7-11? <laughs> right, uh. right. And I could be wrong. I could be mixing up with another film. And if I am, I apologize. But he does have another one called Never Let Me Go. And, and now that I think about it, I think I am fucking it up. I don't think it is the 9-11 film. So whatever. I don't know what it is. But it's not this. So I'm not talking about it. So One Hour Photo has an IMDB score of 6.8. Out of 96,703 votes, Metacritic score of 64. On Rotten Tomatoes, it has a tomato meter of 81% from the critics and an, audio, and an audience score of 64%. It had a $12 million budget, according to IMDb, and it grossed $32 million. So why do I find this film? This is my pick. Why do I find this film over, uh, overrated? Why do I include this as a criminally underrated film? It's simply because of the fact that I never hear anybody talk about this movie. I first saw this movie when it came out in theaters. So 2002, I would have been a probably a sophomore, maybe in between sophomore and junior year, somewhere in there, and of high school. I'm talking, and my one of my really close friends' moms was a big true crime buff who really got me into reading true crime books. And she heard about this film and it seemed right up our alley. And so she took me and, and her daughter, we went to all go see it. And it was kind of the first time I went to a non-commercial theater. I don't know what you want to call it. Like a kind of, it was the first time I went to a smaller theater. And so it was just a whole different universe to me because everything was a smaller setting. The film was different than anything I'd probably ever seen up until that point. Um, and so it, it, it hit me in such a unique way. And I think that's why it's always stuck with me. Honestly, I haven't watched the film since that day until obviously watching it for the podcast. Um, and so it's just, there's images in the film that really stuck with me. And it's always a movie that I've, I loved. I absolutely loved it when I first saw it. And uh, the Blu-ray came out not too terribly long ago. I was really excited to finally own the Blu-ray. Um, and so the reason I wanted to include it here is just because I don't hear people talking about it and I feel like it deserves a lot more credit than it's given. One of my absolute favorite things in the world of film is watching actors that we know to be comedians. So in this case, Robin Williams. And then watch them do something on the complete opposite side of the spectrum. I love that. Uh, This is a great example. Another example 
um, that immediately springs to mind is Will Ferrell in Stranger Than Fiction. It's a bit of a comedic role, but it's definitely different than what he's done previously. So it struck me. And then finally, um, Jim Carrey in Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. And I mean, his work in The Truman Show, it's definitely comedic, but there's so so many dramatic elements there that just blow me away. But really, it was Jim Carrey in Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, which is one of my all-time favorite films. It's just absolutely brilliant. And so that's why... I decided to talk about one hour photo. So that's that's my reason. And you know, it's it's good as any other, I guess. So Ash, what is your history with one hour photo? Have you seen this film before? This is the first time I'd ever seen this movie. Okay. Have you had you heard of it before at all? I had. I watched the trailers and I just I never never watched not a ground watching it. So Okay. Excellent. How about you, Mark? What's your history with this one? I think you've seen this before, right? Yeah, I saw it in the theaters. And okay. uh, almost had, I bought the Blu-ray or the DVD, sorry, when it uh, came out back in 0203. And uh, I, I was happy to hear that you had picked this one. But at the same time, it, this movie makes me so sad. And, and especially mm. now uh, with, you know, knowing of his passing. Um, right. It, it, you know, it, it, it was like... This was in his dark period where he had death to smooch, he had insomnia, and he played this one. And I thought this was the best of his dark period dramatic films because he he looks so sad, but he's got that smile. Like it's like you wanna you wanna hug him and be his friend, right? You know, yeah. Because I've always been a Robin Williams fan, and you know, like when he did pass away, it, it hit me pretty hard. Mm-hmm. Um, so revisiting this movie kind of brought back that rush of emotions. And especially okay. after listening to his commentary track. Oh, yeah. You know, like, yeah, it, it just, it, it it's not a, it wasn't a fun watch for me, but mm-hmm. it, it was kind of revisiting an old friend in a way, just okay. because I had such a, I had a connection to this one because I really liked this movie. This one, this is a disturbing, ah, disturbing. It's a really dark film and I like dark films. Yeah. But you just want to like reach out and hug them, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's it plays on both sides of of your of your persona at the same time. It's like you know he he's disturbed, but he just wants to be accepted, and like you see it in his face, you know. Like he played this role, he played Cy Parrish so well. Um, I'm getting off track here, but uh, yeah. Long story short, saw it in the theaters, bought the DVD, um, watched it twice. Uh, since then, so yeah, <laughs> that's right, Matt. Yeah, good. I'm a tyrant. I'm sorry. Oh, you're fine. Yeah, I remember watching Death to Smoochie. I was, I was probably in, I don't know. I was younger, and I probably didn't appreciate it as I should have. I I liked the film, but I I definitely need to watch that one again mm-hmm. because I feel like I would um I don't know just maybe appreciate it more I guess. But yeah, this one. Definitely, I think is is probably my favorite of his of his dramatic roles. Um, so yeah, all right. So let's dive in here. So um, if you haven't seen the film, there will be spoilers. So I definitely recommend you stopping the podcast now, going to check out the film, and then coming back and finishing. Because as I mentioned, there will be major spoilers for one hour photo. So. With that said, if you've watched the film, you obviously know what the plot's about, so I won't even bother with that. But so right in the beginning, a film that kind of came to mind right from the very start of this. And obviously with this film, we start at the end and then kind of 
have the the flashback, which is the meat of the film, and then we bookend with the same way we started, which is inside the um, investigator's office, you know, in in the the jail area, whatever. The interrogation room is the word I'm searching for. I usually hate this in films and TV shows. Okay. Usually, Mm -hmm. because they never handle it well. Yeah. Uh, Usually, they give you too much info at the start. And so you know how it's going to end. Like, in the Mouth of Madness did this. And it was just like, okay, we know this is going to go bad. But like, really bad. Uh, and but here, they give you just enough to know something has happened. You And they lead you down a path. But then they kind of yank out the rug from you. And, and <laughs> it, it actually, this one actually, it worked really well. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, anyway, sorry. <laughs> The film that came to mind immediately, though, when when this ha- when this started, I don't and I never I don't have any idea what my thoughts were the first time I watched it. I just remember there being moments that really stuck out to me and loving it. But uh, this time going through it was Psycho, the very end of Psycho. Oh yeah, kind of. It was just it had the same feel to it, kind of uh, just that a uh, odd guy, just the way he was sitting. As if he, you know, he couldn't hurt a fly type of thing, which is obviously a line from the end of Psycho and, and so on and so forth. So that's, that's a film that av- immediately that v- um, image was uh, stoked in my mind. So, Mark, yeah, what did you think about this? Go well, ahead. Uh, apparently, the, uh, as for the commentary, the director, uh, Mark Romanek, um, mm-hmm. the reason why he started the film like this is that he found his first third of the film had really no energy going oh. for it. So he, Knew well, he knew Francis for Coppola, mm-hmm. so he sent him a rough cut of the film. And uh, after getting some of uh, Coppola's feedback, um, he wanted to have Sai uh, shown as booked and getting interrogated, mm-hmm. but then leaving the audience asking why. So, the <laughs> whole idea, I guess, it's a crescendo where you're learning, you know, what made him get arrested by the police. Because, like, the first thing you see really is the picture or is the camera. That the police use for your mugshot, yeah, right? Yeah. You, you know, and and it it just sits there mm-hmm. for a good ten seconds, like so. You're thinking, like, what is this? Because is it a yeah. key that they use at the at the Walmart to process your photos? Like, we just okay. don't know. And yep. then you see him doing the the pick the the front and side profile, mm-hmm. so you know that he did something wrong. And now, you know, the audience is kind of put on edge, like, okay, well, why is he there? So <laughs> you know, I think it kind of works that way. I think it works well because nothing is. Nothing is told. You just know that he's going to end up that way. So mm-hmm. whatever he, he tries to get away with, well, obviously he doesn't. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, though, we don't know any time frames either. So let's say he did get away with something like 10 years ago. He finally got caught. Mm-hmm. So, like, we don't know what to expect from this guy. And just right. the way that he looks. Like, plus, seeing Robin Williams as a blonde. Yeah. A- apart from, uh, well, I guess in Toys, he was a blonde. Um, but as a, like, disheveled 40 plus year old man, you know, mm-hmm. uh, without his trademark, uh, you know, uh, brown hair and like his hairy arms and stuff. It doesn't look like him, but it's right. him, you know, so that he stopped working out for the film and gained gained weight for it and everything. Yeah. And just the fact that we know him as, you know, a, a funny comedian to see mm-hmm. him in this role as this meek um, predator. Yeah. It's like, well, what is he doing? So it actually adds a bit of. Uh, a bit of je ne sais quoi at the beginning of the movie to make you actually want to read more about or watch more about it, you know? Right, right. I mean, at this point, like, 
films I can think of that I would have seen leading up to this, a Patch Adams, Jack, which yeah. was a favorite of mine as a child. Um, I, what else? I mean, it just, especially as a, however old I was, what would I have been like 14 year old ish. So, you know, you um, remember as a funny guy from good morning, exactly. Vietnam, like his, <laughs> his radio clips yeah. were in the, were in the, on the cassette tape for the soundtrack. Right. Like, you know, him from being a funny guy. Exactly. So now again, seeing him in a few dark roles, but seeing him like, He's really dark looking in this one, mm-hmm. you know, because he's unsuspecting and like he doesn't look like he would hurt a fly. <laughs> exactly. So what is he going to do, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and and did it strike anyone else's? I, because I didn't remember exactly how this played out at the end. I, at the beginning there, I mean, I thought I was looking and the way that the detective was, was questioning him or talking to him, it almost felt as I thought something a lot worse was going to happen at the end. And that's what yes. brought him here. Yep. Okay. Yeah. I'm glad I'm not alone. Well, th- and that's the thing because you think, you know, this guy is in jail or he's, mm-hmm. he's being arrested. He got arrested. He's, you know, he, he's a predator. Right. You know? <clears throat> well, not just a predator, but the way, the way the detective phrases things, you think he's killed somebody. Yep. That's yeah. what I thought. Yeah. You know, he says like, what, what did he, what did he do to deserve this type of thing? And it's, that's you know one of the questions he asked them, and so that's immediately what I was thinking, just not remembering how it how it played out exactly. So well, he's like the shy guy next door, right? Doesn't make mm-hmm. a sound. That's exactly what he's playing. He's playing that yeah. guy. He's your neighbor that nobody hears from him, so nobody yeah. complains about him. And there's a moment in a couple of minutes here that I want to talk about that I felt was kind of too on the nose. It was too obvious what they were trying to do with it. Um, and that is when he's sitting in his house and he's watching the scene from the Simpsons Yeah. and Homer says, you know, it, it's probably the person you least suspect. It's like, mm, that was a bit on the nose. But then from that shot, it pans over and we see his wall. And so it goes from something that I thought was a little too much to something that was incredibly effective. So but that's, that's you know, exactly out. it. Apparently the mm-hmm. director used that Simpsons clip, uh, clip to kind of have people laugh. So then when they pan away, the laugh turns to shock. Right. I love that scene because you don't expect it. And then you pull away. And like, has anybody seen a wall like that before? I know I haven't. No, just the meticulousness of it all. Yes, it's in per- it's perfect alignment. It, he's got two huge like uh, construction like pot lights to keep it illuminated. Um, like this is his his this is his sixteen chapel. Right. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like he's a, he he he's an author. He's a he's a painter. He's a creator, and this is his masterpiece. The the one thing I I have to to mention the the cinematography for this and the way they frame the shots fits this film perfectly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, it's just it they've they've it's very very Stanley Kubrick style. Hmm. The shots are deliberate. The camera is placed exactly where it needs to be for the shot to be effective. Exactly. Know, the lighting, the colors, everything about the shot is meticulous. It, the, and the film is just as meticulously done as this guy's obsessions. Yes. And the another thing I loved about the cinematography is that the camera, it rarely moves. The only instance I can think of where there's a, a notably moving camera is at the end when he's running away from the cops. Yeah. Um, the, when he, they're following him through the, um, store when he's leaving uh, his yep, last day, but yeah. 
Exactly right. I like how the director has no fear to have uh, the camera still and like hold. Yeah. For an, for an uncomfortable amount of time mm-hmm. to make the viewer as uncomfortable as the people reflected on on the screen, which right. is, is it. And I think they just did such a, a great job of establishing this character. So after that opening scene, just um, his his first interaction that we get with, you know, outside of the 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 comment the narration. Where one of the lines I just loved was, no one ever takes a photograph of something they want to forget. Oh, wow. You know what? That kind of something just struck me there. Nah, I don't know. I was thinking, I was reading some theories about the end of the film, and I don't agree with them, but I thought it was interesting just to talk about how uh, one of the theories was that, and I think with this, we're just going to jump around. That's fine. I don't want to go from beginning to end. Um, One of the theories was that at the end of the film, does he really take pictures of the um, kind of of the the people he has at, at knife point, is he really taking those pictures? Because obviously we don't see that we don't see those pictures when the detective gives him the the role of film at the end of the movie. Yeah, it's just random pictures of the bathroom, the the shower curtain, the seat, things like that. Yeah, um, I I don't I don't think he did take those pictures um, because of his uh, of his you know childhood trauma. Mm-hmm. Um, and just the fact that he had so much joy uh, looking at the pictures that Jacob took of those still right. images. And that's exactly what those images mm-hmm. re- that he took reminded me of. It was very much like the the pictures that Jacob took, just kind of uh, random angles, random things th- that don't really make sense. Like, why are you taking this picture? It was very reminiscent of that. His pictures were very childlike as well. He was yeah. kind of reverting, like he was dealing with his sexual trauma mm-hmm. in person. But in his mind, he was taking pictures like a child would. Right. You know? And then with that line, no one ever takes a photograph of something they want to forget, which would, you know, add fuel to that argument that he didn't take the photos of the, um, you know, of, I can't the remember, the husband. Yeah. yeah. I can't remember his name. Uh, will. Yes. And will, uh, okay. Maya. There was a great speech he gave at the beginning of the movie about photos too. Mm-hmm. And yeah, memories. that's what that quote oh, from. Yeah. Such a great line. I mean, so many great lines. One scene I liked a lot was when the repair guy was in the store. Oh yeah. And was pissed off at him because of a plus three differential on the blue. Right. And because it just shows again how much of a uh, of uh, a perfectionist. Uh, Sai was is that yeah don't you see these pictures as blue but to, but to the uh, to the repair guy is like who gives a fuck they're just yeah. pictures but this is what he like this was the only thing that kept him going yeah he, he said at the beginning home. of the movie I consider this an important job I mean that's a, a, something he says in the very beginning of that in that opening narration you know he considers what he does an important job whereas the average person might look at that and be like oh he just works at Walmart and he's a photo rep at Walmart like whoopie do. Exactly. Uh, to, to him, that's his sole purpose in life, really. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. I, I And plus the interaction, you know, after he leaves, you know, he has like one final parting shot, but couldn't tell the bigger repair guy to his face. Yeah. It shows what kind of person. Like, he's got this rage in him, mm-hmm. but doesn't let it bubble until it's too late. So, he's repressing things. You see, he's got things deep down inside him that bug him. Yeah. But he's got a pretty cool uh, veneer on the outside that it'll take a lot for it to crack. I and love the that the first one, crack would be him losing his job. Yeah, that's what I was just gonna say. I love the one time where he's you know 
scary kind of and it was still so subdued but just where he finally snaps is i haven't fucked up a customer's uh you know photos in 11 years or where the hell the line is yeah and um right after he gets let go uh, i thought that was just a really good moment yeah yeah i have a fucked up a customer's prints in 11 years yeah yeah that's yeah is this yeah i'm sorry no no go ahead uh there was the the one that um the one that i thought was really poignant the way he delivers it it's sad and poignant and fits perfectly um he says and if these pictures have anything important to say to future generations it's this i was here i existed (laughs) i was young i was happy and someone cared enough about me in this world to take my picture Mm -hmm. yeah and it's just like yeah and he has so many great ones when he's doing the narrating the, the right. narration over the top of that. Just, mm-hmm. Yeah, the hunting one is <laughs> the word snapshot originally was a hunting was, term. Yeah, yes. I wrote that one down. Yeah, that's awesome. See, he's almost robotic in the way he speaks mm-hmm. because in a way he he almost is robotic because he doesn't really have a personality. Right, his customer service smile. Mm-hmm. And that's it. Even when interacting with um, with his boss, Bill, you know, um, he's like, "What's wrong with you, Sai? Oh, I don't know, Bill. What's wrong with you?" you know, like he keeps like <laughs> kind of almost like repeating what he says mm-hmm. as his as his answer because uh, he's he, it's like he's kind of numb. Like you, you don't really know what makes him tick apart from the job. You take the job away, and he's a blank slate. Right. You know, like at home, he watches TV, goes to bed, gets up again. Mm-hmm. Everything is a beige or a white color. Mm-hmm. You know, he has no personality. So he kind of takes his personality from his customers. Yeah. And I, talking about that, that personality, um, the, what, and I was watching some of the special features and they, what they considered was a, this uh, Save Mart. What was it? It was called Save Mart. Uh, Save right? Mart, Save, yeah. yeah. Where he works is, you know, it's a, it's equivalent of a Walmart type deal, but it is what they called a utopian idea of this you know type of shopping center and you really see that and it's just how clinical it all is it's the the super white lighting they use the white ceilings with the white floor to make it as as bright as possible there as fluorescent as possible it's got a 70s sci-fi feel to it yeah, you know uh-huh. the way he walks when he walks through the aisles, the, just the cereal aisle from top to bottom, everything is perfectly uh, aligned. Nothing is out of place. He d- goes to the camping section. I mean, everything is just like they said—a utopian vision, a utopian idea of the shopping center. And so it's almost you know personalityless. Like it's just, it's it's just so clinical. And yeah. then he gets home, and he's. Trying to match that and yes. and in the same way and and the way that the director handles it is he tries to do similar lighting you know it's it feels clinical but there's something off it's grayer it's not quite as bright white you should um, be able so to get away job. from work when you come home you know and mm-hmm. he doesn't really know how to come home right all he has is his work so and it, he, it makes sense that his home is kind of emulates his work environment. Yeah. And the boss talks about, you know, having vacation time that he hasn't used, things like small things like that, you know, that you hear that you just know that this is his life. Mm-hmm. And then on the flip side of that, we have the family, you know, that picture of normality, essentially. The, 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 you know, a wife, husband, and a child. The lighting there is, is warm. 
Um, it's lit by sunlight as opposed to when he gets home, all we really see is darkness that is, uh, you know, controlled by, uh, and then any light is, that's there is controlled by uh, man-made devices of some sort, whether it's, you know, his lights in the kitchen, the light from the TV, the, the work lights that are shining on his picture wall, whatever it is. There's no natural light coming in whatsoever. Right, exactly. It's like he's exactly. in his own little right. bubble. He doesn't yep. like the outside in. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, actually, oh, they did oh. Such a great Apparently, job. The, there's an alternate version. Apparently, Sly did take the photos. Uh, there's an alternate scene near the end where a police detective reviews the pictures Sly took of Will and Maya at the hotel. The theatrical version doesn't have the scene at all. Okay. And so, but yeah, so I mean, you'd have to watch like an alternate version to see it, but yeah, it's, they didn't have offer it on the Blu-ray and my argument against that, which it would have been my argument for the fact that he, yes, he did take the pictures was that at the very beginning of the film, the detective says, you know, we found the rolls of film in the hotel room and we also found the role or we found the roll of film in your bag and we also found the camera in your hotel room. And so there are multiple rolls of film. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I I believe he did take the pictures. But if you you know just kind of playing devil's advocate, taking the other side, if you connect that opening line of no one ever takes a photograph of something they want to forget with kind of how who his character is, and at the very end, I think it's an interesting argument to be made there. But yeah, I, I believe he did take those photos. Ah, uh, see, I, I I don't like that. I kind of like the idea that he didn't. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I really do. I mm-hmm. I think I, the, the the actual version is. Uh, uh, to me, the probably the the better ending. Yeah, I, I you know? think it makes him more for a more interesting character. It makes him more sympathetic. Yeah, you know, like sure, he's troubled, but he's not a bad person. He's just molded that way from you know outside influences, which is why he stays in his bubble. Let me ask you, Ash. Did you feel did you feel sympathetic to the character as it was going on, like all the way from the start to the end? Did you feel bad for him, or was there some other feeling that you had? He honestly, he creeped my shit out. Yeah, you know, that's the whole. Kind I, like, of what I, I I felt, I thought he was a little creepy, and I felt bad for him until the photo wall. Yeah. After the photo wall, I was like, nope. <laughs> you know, it's just like he's you know out of his you know, he's out of his mind. He's too obsessive with this family. You know, et cetera, et cetera. It just yeah. It and from there, it kind of colored my my view of him throughout the movie. But yeah. I, yeah, do, that's... I do think casting made a big deal out of this. Um, I think I'm sympathetic to the character, or at least I kind of want to help him out because he is Robin Williams. And he's mm-hmm. got those sad eyes and he, he does have that smile, you know. Let's say we had, uh, what's his name who did, uh, who made the uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, who was uh, Rorschach in uh, Watchmen. Uh, oh, uh, uh, um, James uh, Earl, uh, uh, Freddy. Yeah. Jackie Earl Healy. Yes, thank you. Let's say you put him in that role, and I think my attitude towards him would have changed completely. Because mm-hmm. he's got a, a, a sharper, harder look to him, you know? Right. Uh, mm-hmm. And Robin Williams, I still associate him with a lot of good things. So maybe that's why I kind of have a more of a positive view on him, even mm-hmm. though he is a creepy fuck. Um, he just looks like a puppy dog. He's like a sad puppy dog. You just want like like a basket hug. You just want to hug. So I think if they would have cast uh, maybe a harder looking character, um, I wouldn't have the same uh, more positive uh, view of him. Yeah, I, I guess originally Jack Nicholson was up for the role. Um, I can't see that. Yeah, I. It would have been a very very different film. Yeah, totally, totally different film. See what yeah. I. 
I, I found him, uh, you know, he creeped me out as well. And I think the reason he creeped me out was because of how the other characters responded to him, specifically the wife, which yeah. his name I, I don't recall offhand. Let me look at here. Because uh, um, she like treated yeah. him like a friend. Yeah, or like almost. I mean, I don't, she, she was really me, nice to him. He weaseled his. She he, was, but she was still kind of standoffish, um, especially in the beginning. Um, you, I just, to me, I could tell that she, like, I don't, working in, you know, like a retail industry for as long as I have, I, you have those people that you're just uncomfortable with. Yeah. You try to be nice to because it's the professional, it's the right thing to do, but yeah. you're still, there's something that you, you don't want to be around them too terribly much. I didn't get it that much. But there was still something to me that she found him odd. That's what I saw in the character. And so that's what kind of set me on, yeah, you know what? She's right. He is, there's something creepy about him. The way he, re- he memorizes her address, uh, I don't know, just little things like that is just. I blame Deepak Chopra for that. It's that book and the theme of the book and yep. what the book's about, which kind of opened <sighs> her door saying, oh, he's enlightened too. We got some, yep. we got some common ground now. That's when it changed. Exactly. That's exactly when it changed. Yep. And I love it because what is he, uh, I, I have it written down here, but I'm just kind of going up and down my notes, but he says something like the book talks about noticing coincidences, I think is what it says. And I mean, just how, <laughs> how fucking perfect. Yeah. Noticing coincidences. Yes. Yeah, just a coincidence that he happens to be at the same, you know, uh, food court as her and, and so on and so forth. He would be a total online creeper if that was more of a thing back in those days. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. You know, like yeah. he would be the total, like, you know, white wife beater, uh, you know, trying to make friends with with people that are not of his, you know, not in his circle online, you know, being like right. this awesome person in real life. But then you meet him uh, in person and he's a total mess. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what he would be uh, if a film like this was remade 15 years later. I think it was another thing that was so interesting was just the the whole idea of one hour photo. It's just such a thing of like a relic of the past to me now. Thing. Yeah. And so it's almost it just almost feels like a period film, like mm-hmm. obviously not, you know, 1800 period, but to the early 2000s period film. You know, it's just so yeah. something that just doesn't really happen anymore. I don't know of any. So, yeah. Six. That do that. Well, and. Six years after this movie came out, no, seven years after this movie came out, because it came out in 2002, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, seven years after this movie came out, I had a job installing digital photo printers <laughs> okay. at Walmarts and, yeah. and Myers, yeah, yeah. For, for HP. And it basically, you download your digital photos. Mm-hmm. Almost none of the stores did their own film developing in-house mm-hmm. anymore. You could drop off film. And they would get it back to you in a week. Uh, yep. But yeah, if you wanted photos instantly, it was all digital. Yeah. <laughs> I think there's only one place in our town right now that still does regular photos. That's crazy. On site. Yeah. Yeah. I think back in Winnipeg, I can think of one Walmart that might still have one. Um, and that's it. Like it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's a thing of the past. Yeah. yeah. And it's not one hour. It's still, it's like next day. You yeah. Wait. <laughs> so what did you guys make of the, cracked windshield scene so he he gets out of work that first time we we kind of meet him and the first off the stark yellow lighting that they used i thought was excellent and then he just walks up to his car and his car has this big old crack down the the, down the you know the middle of the glass why did the director make that choice do you think i think it's like you know one of those uh, creepy doll movies where 
this is the first time, you know, you see in the film where, you know, the beast within is being unleashed with him being pissed off. Mm-hmm. Because he, you know, he's a happy-go-lucky guy for his holy hour shift from the people. Right. Um, and then, you know, something bad happens to him outside of work and he's upset. That said, I would have the same uh, reaction as well. Like, fuck, how about a crack my windshield, you know? But in this yeah. case here, this is, you know, the first time you see his psyche kind of kind of shifting a bit within him. But what's amazing to me is that he didn't, his reaction wasn't even that violent. It wasn't even that strong. It was just, isn't that great or something like along those lines. But it's his, it's, it's his first turn of bitterness that we see on film. You know, you're right. Yeah, you're right. Personally, if I remember correctly, that's the I think first you're right. time where he's not all smiley faces. It's, mm-hmm. you know, shit, something's bad's happened to me. You know, right. Even though it's minor, this is the first turn down that path. Mm-hmm. One thing that bothered me about the film, and this is so stupid, but it just bugged me. It It, it just felt like the director had never spent any time, and I could be completely wrong. He just had never spent any time in kind of that uh, retail management area because the way the boss handles situations is just I so unbelievable to me. Uh, this is, I, uh, who was this? Uh, Bill Owens. Gary Cole is Bill yes, Owens. The awesome Gary Cole. Yes. Uh, I mean, when he says that they're my, uh, when Cy says, you know, they're my customers, the boss says, no, they're not your customers, save my customers. No boss would ever want to, kick that mentality out of someone. Um, at least no one that I've worked with. And obviously, you know, I'm just, maybe I'm just naive um, because I've been l- fortunate enough not to have an asshole boss like that. Mm-hmm. But the part that really got me, that part wasn't so bad. The part that really got me is you're going to fire someone and then you're going to have him work the rest of the week Yeah, when you're firing him for stealing? Like that's, it was so unbelievable to me. Yes. But it had to happen because of the way the story needed to play out. And so it just, I, f- I wish they would have handled that better. Well, I could, I've, I've, I've been on the receiving end of that. It's like, well, we're going to let you go in a month. And wow. you, and you get imagine. to keep, you get to keep your severance package and everything if you work the rest of next month. That's crazy to me. I yeah. fired people uh, and uh, I yeah, walked them out of the building. You know, yeah. I've never fired someone that I didn't that didn't leave that day. You know what oh, I mean? And sure. that's just and crazy you to me. Escort them to the door, like you take their pass, yeah. and then they're mm-hmm. escorted. They're not able to roam free on the floor or in the office right. um, after they've been told they're let go. And, and he he was fired on his last day, and he still had keys to access everything. Yeah, because that he opened blew my mind. That yeah. blew my mind. Like, did they? I figured they would have. T- well, he was leaving early though. That's, that's that's probably true. why they yeah. hadn't taken his keys yet. And when it when it comes back to uh, to Bill Owens, you know mm-hmm. he's playing the role of a bully. Yeah, you know, exactly. like at the same time, you know, Sai isn't your hero of the film. He's obviously uh, the antagonist, but he's <laughs> you know him getting fired really makes him go down the deep end. So you know he's weird. You know he's a bit creepy, but you mm-hmm. don't really hate him yet. Until he starts going really dark after his dream job is taken away from him. Right. You know? Yeah. So, so, so Bill is playing the bad guy. Uh, he's the bad guy in, in, in this film. And, um, you know, he, he's just playing an asshole boss who's on the pirate trip because he can. Because he's, you know, 40 plus some years old and he's the manager of a Walmart. Maybe he's not happy right. with his own life. 
So he's taking out on his employees. Well, you know, he did play a bill in office space. (laughs) (laughs) He did. Just saying, this this does, you know, take place chronologically after office space. Might be the same character. (laughs) He's so typecast in that role. (laughs) (laughs) So who who would you say is, would you say there are any other bad guys in the film? Um. Yeah, the husband. Yeah, yeah. That's that's what him, stands him, out him to me. And in Maya, there because you know uh, she's the cause. Well, him, yeah, she knows. She knows. Maya, they were, they were in the same. Yeah, they were in the same team together. Yeah, mm-hmm. and they're breaking up that that perfect uh, nuclear family. What Sai so, always has aspired to have because he's never had that himself. Right. So if we are. If we're saying that th- that Maya and and Will, right, Will, yeah. are the bad guys, I feel like the only way we could be saying that is not because we feel bad for the wife, because they don't really show it from her end, aside from, what, two scenes? The one when she's driving in the car and two when the detectives are there? Yeah. I feel like that would be because we feel the sympathy for Cy. Would you agree with that? Yeah, like the only way we could look at them as the as bad guys is if we feel sympathy, if we sympathize with well, the character. I I, I I feel bad for the wife. I do feel bad yeah. for the wife. Okay, I, I, uh, and and the son because yes. they're having to deal with everything mm-hmm. with this, and I can totally see it through their point of view. Um, I think she chooses to deal with it later, and that pushes Sai even further. I think, and I, I yeah. I, so. That moment you're talking about, I think, is when uh, he is watching from outside the house after he put the pictures in and followed her home. Yes. And she doesn't. She's like, come on, come on, come on. She doesn't do anything. They just eat dinner. Yeah. Because she's trying to Another keep the family together. Because, you know, yep. like Jacob's pissed off because dad's never there for his soccer practices because he's mm-hmm. banging his coworker. You know, he's picked the, the strange tang over the family that he's built, you know? Um, right. and, and the fact that he starts a fight over, you know, bills in a pretty fucking nice house and he owns his design company, I'm sure he can afford a credit card bill, you know? So he's mm-hmm. picking fights with the, the wife. So maybe she will suggest they take a separation so he can spend more time with Maya and not play two roles. Right. So yeah. for him, it's a, it's a big sure. game. Oh, yeah, because I'm sure her end of that fight was you're never home and he's like well I have, we have bills to pay and uh, so I have to work and you're not actually working exactly and plus you what? could work from home you see him design a chair <laughs> <laughs> what if you guys had to pick one image that stood out to you the most in this film what would it be would you would you say if if any if any at all a big one for me Mm-hmm. It's his dream sequence when it's he's dressed head to toe in white. He's in the aisle. He starts screaming, bloodshot mm-hmm. eyes, and then it gushes blood. Yeah. Yeah, that was pretty moment. potent. Yeah. To me, that's the break, and that's where he goes fully dark. Right. But at the same time, he's going fully dark, not to act revenge on Will and Maya, but he's trying to keep the family, the Yorkin family together. You know, he's trying to expose this. Ah. To me, he's ex- he's trying to expose this this uh, this uh, affair so that it will strengthen the family. You know, see, I think in his, I, I disagree with you. I think in in his head, yeah, Will's Will's fucked up. Will has 
Yes. Will is not a good father because that's what he talks about with the detective at the yes. end. Will had it all and he ru- and he lost it. He ruined it. So I think this is kind of I think it is kind of a, a, a type of revenge in that he is making sure that Will understands that he fucked up. Fucked up, but that he can fix his mistake. You know, it, it's not a, a final fuck up that you can't unfuck it. He can unfuck mm-hmm. his fuck up. You know, it'll, it'll take a lot because at the same time, like, it's not that size in love with uh, the wife, Nina. He doesn't want to replace Will. He wants to right. be the uncle. Like, he wants he to wants have to be it. Uncle Cy. Exactly. He wants to be Uncle Sai. So, it's not, I think it's but. out of love for the family that he does this so that he can, in his mind, become part of that family. I can see that. Yep. Um, but I don't know. I just, I still feel like, I don't, maybe I'm just being too dark. I, I don't, it's not even, maybe I am, but uh, just, I think that Sai is done. Like he thinks it's done. I, I don't know. I see the opposite. He's got so much love for this family. He will do anything to keep them together. He mm-hmm. just does it in a really roundabout way. Yeah. And I guess, uh <laughs> kind of squash my argument and add to yours um the very end when he sees the photo like kind of imagines himself in the photo again yeah of him Uh in you know standing there with the family so i mean that kind of would play more into your argument i guess yeah i think honestly that him being a part of the family and getting them back together Mm -hmm. um that whole that theory strengthened by the fact that he doesn't actually do anything to Will the husband? Yeah, yeah, he doesn't hurt him. Like, sure, uh, a little trauma with some emotional, with some, with, exactly yeah. with some photo play. But even then, like you know, he he's telling her to be in a position so that she can blow him. But mm-hmm. don't blow him. We're playing pretend. You know, right. so it's like yeah, yeah actually putting him out. Just pretend you're putting it in his mouth. Well, and you that's know? the thing is, doing that he completely ruins their relationship mm-hmm. completely. So he doesn't have anywhere to go except yeah. home what i think is so such a strong directorial choice is when will comes home and jacob hugs him but the last we see of that is her standing you know pretty far away kind of on the other side of the house or however far away from him and it, it there's no finality there there's mm-hmm. no she runs up to him and hugs him there's no she turns and leaves it's just them staring at each other and mm-hmm. i thought that was very interesting very strong choice what about you, Ash? What if is there an image that kind of stands out to you, or is it? Would you say it was kind of the same as as what Mark pointed out? Um, that one was pretty striking. I, there were a lot of great shots in this, like when mm-hmm. he's walking through the store for the last time. That was a good one. Um, I think the one in the photo wall is another one. Uh, I think the voiceovers really stood out for me. I loved those, but I think the one. The image that I kind of take away from this one was um, it was after he's been fired. You know, he hasn't left yet, but he has to go on and put on a face, you know, mm-hmm. for his customers. And he's standing in front of that window or the mirror. And it says, you know, check your smile, you check your smile. And he yeah. adjusts his tie and he checks his smile and he mm-hmm. still manages to smile despite everything going on and then heads out. Yeah, that's just like definitely a great one. Yeah, it's just like, wow. Mm hmm. To me, it has to be the moment where he's standing in the middle of the shot of the frame, and it's his wall, his photo wall behind, uh, you know, in front of him that he's just staring at. Mm-hmm. Uh, just 
creepy. I mean, the colors, the framing, everything about it, it's just perfect. And that's, you know, one of the, the major images that stuck with me the first time I watched the film too, but it just hit me even harder now. Like I, I just thought it was so great. Um, what did you guys think of the kind of the the hallucination scene or the the fantasy scene of him going into the house and you know trying on or wearing uh, the Will's clothes and things like that? Um, what did you guys think of that scene? Well, apparently in the commentary they had filmed the scene, thinking that he was actually doing this. Now, oh, okay. I don't know how they would rectify the end while he's caught drinking a beer watching the football game. So I guess that was <laughs> amended. But originally, like in the script, uh, he actually broke into the house. Hmm. Um, as for the way it's shot in the film, I liked it. Mm-hmm. It just shows that he's got no malice towards the family. He only gets, you know, uh, upset after he loses his job and, and then realizes that, you know, uh, Will is cheating on Nina. But apart from that, like he was willing to help, uh, Will, you know, with his, uh, with his Mac, uh, computer problem. Um, mm-hmm. like he has genuine love for the family. Obviously, he's been stalking them for like eight years. You know? Yeah, um, exactly. So yeah, I I thought it was kind of sweet because like you could see him being part of the family and like mm-hmm. his dream. You know, um, to the viewer, I don't think it's attainable because they're not you know <laughs> related. But to be to be like a, one of his best friends, like you know, you kind of want that to happen from because that's where he gets his joy. You know, so I, I really dug that scene. Um, it's just too bad it was just a dream sequence for him. Mm-hmm. The um, I thought it was creepy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, it, it was kind of like okay, he's scoping this house out. He knows they're not home. Oh my god! You know, it was what is he going to do? Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it just I don't know. Yeah, it, it was like home invasiony to me. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah, watching it, watching it the first time. I mean, there's no I, I, you could guess, but there's no way you could know that that was a dream sequence or, or whatever, a uh, fantasy, if you want to call it that. Until the end, and I'd forgotten. And so, like the the moments where he's sitting on the couch, he's talking to the dog, watching the game, and then you see the door unlock. I mean, I had just such a physical response to it. My heart just started pounding. I was like what what's gonna happen how is this i was i I don't know i haven't i can't recall having such a physical response to something in a while yeah um and that was it was so just the way it was built to the conclusion was fucking great just so tense and i absolutely loved it i thought what a what a good job they did there just to build that up to make it as tense as it was i've obviously watched this film with rose-colored glasses Mm-hmm. Because where you guys find creepiness and like horror, I'm like, oh, but it's cute. It's Robin Williams. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like his his small facial reaction when he sees his fa- his uh, picture on the fridge. Yeah. I mean, again, not remembering that it was a dream sequence, I was just like, wow, what a what a moment. I don't know. It's just. Oh, cre- well, you know what's creepy? It's his mm-hmm. fucking selfie takes on the final yeah. roll of film. Yeah, Who exactly. Who does that? Right. You know? <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, so that was creepy. Mm-hmm. But not so much because it's Robin. It was still kind of creepy. I loved the moment where he finds the film of the fact that the husband and the, the mistress were kind of cheating. Will and, and Maya were cheating on the wife. 
and just he goes into the developing room, the dark room, and that red, oh, it's just the red lighting with him kind of like crying yeah. in the corner looking at the photos. I mean, it's just kind of just the the representation of his rage kind of taking over, I feel like. I agree with that. Another really good moment. Yeah. Yeah, because he he he's he's hurt deeply because like the the father's cheating on the wife, you know. Yeah. Uh, the father and the mother are not aware of the situation. Like it, 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 to me, it's heartbreaking. It's almost like you know he was their child, and he finds out dad is sleeping around, and how that would change things forever. So he makes sure that you know everybody eventually is aware of uh, of of uh, the act. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's very childlike in this film. He, I can see him. You know, uh, he's he's seeing, he's watching the family through the eyes of like of, of Jacob sometimes. You know, where he is a small child wanting to be accepted, um, like when he wanted to give Jacob that gift, and Jacob oh, was not sure and actually said yep. no because my parents his wouldn't face. like it. Yeah, and then wow. his face of rejection, like even the small child rejected me. Like, yep. what the fuck can I do to be part of this family? Mm-hmm. You know. That was the moment I wrote down, like, I know it's hard to feel sorry for him, um, given that we know, like, what he's doing, but still, I felt very sorry for him at that point. Yeah, and Jacob is more uh, it, more mature than I am, because I totally would have taken a toy. Fuck yeah, why not? <laughs> Free toy! The fact that the coach left him with this stranger, that just blew my mind. Yeah, that's weird, too. <laughs> I was like, why? He just yells over, Jacob, you all right? And he just that he accepts that and lets the guy walk away with that kill, like, which is another small thing. Like, okay. Like, why? Okay. Why? See you practice. Yeah. That was- Again, it's 2002, not 2016, I guess. <laughs> right. <laughs> I love that we had um, Coulson from the Avengers. Yes. <laughs> Made me happier in hell. Clark Gregg showed up as one of the detectives. That guy is a robot. He has not aged. I, I know. He really hasn't. Clark Gregg has not aged in 15 plus years. Mm-hmm. Another awesome cameo. While uh, Robin is, or Sai is doing his speech about different uh, customers that come to his uh, store. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, the pervert, the amateur pornographer, yeah. that's Jim Rask, uh, the principal from commi- uh, from uh, Community. I Okay. I knew I recognized him, but I couldn't figure out from where. And that's, that's what it yeah, is. Sorry, Jim, yeah, Jim that's Rask. Awesome. Yeah, he's, uh, he's the dean. <laughs> that's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, and very funny too, <laughs> like the facial expression he does. Yeah, he gives the camera and just like beelines out of the store. I know. I thought it was so stereotypical, but so funny. So it worked for me. And again, a nice, light, funny moment before you get all exactly. dark again in the film. I thought it was great positioning in the movie. Yeah. So, you know, when kind of everything was going down until the very end, and well, until a very specific moment, I thought that Sai had this master plan. You know, the the quote unquote capital letters master plan that he would send these photos of the boss's daughter to Yoshi, who he knew would then give to the boss, who he knew would then call the cops, who then would track him down and eventually get to the hotel and he would give himself up. That's what I thought was happening. Mm -hmm. But then he's sitting in the hotel room after he does what he does. And he looks out and we see the flashing lights and his face is like, and she's shocked that the cops are there. And then he panics and tries running away. What a different character than if I was right than when me being wrong. What a different character would have been if Sai had this master plan versus him not having a master plan. Oh, he was running uh, by the seat of his pants. Like, Yeah. Again, um, 
acting like a child, you know, mm-hmm. uh, acting without thinking of his wrongdoings. Like, was he planning on going home right after this? Like, right. he, he really had no endgame. At least I don't think so. I, I yeah, I thought he did, but then when that happened, I, I I thought I think I'm wrong. Like I don't think he did either. He didn't realize that this was the inevitable conclusion of him ending up in in jail. It's like he'll go to bed, he'll wake up in the morning, and like you know, it's he's reset. You know, like mm-hmm. nothing happened. Well, life doesn't work that way. And so the, and then obviously there's there's a kind of a, a big moment at the end where he kind of reveals a bit of his history. And it's a possible history of, you know, sexual abuse is how I, what I got from it. I took, uh, I took that as well. Okay. That, mm-hmm. that his, uh, I guess, uh, an authority figure, if it's his dad mm-hmm. or an uncle, uh, made right. poster pictures like he did for Will in the, in the mm-hmm. Mina or Nina, Mina. Yeah. Mona. What's Maya. It? Maya. That's it. Yeah. yeah. So he was reenacting his childhood through them. Mm-hmm. And that's why I find the character kind of sympathetic. You, you know what I mean? Because right. he was, you know, he, he is a victim of childhood trauma, of sexual child trauma. And, uh, you know, this is his way of, of, I guess, dealing with it. And in a way, you know, uh, hopefully through his act, he makes, you know, family can heal together. Him being part of that family, which uh, did it happen or not? We don't know. Right. See, I, I know I it, that could definitely be a reason for sympathy for him. Um, and it kind of goes, do you punish or do you try to rehabilitate? You know, do you try to help, you know, from, from that? Yeah. Uh, and I, I'm not sure what, what the correct answer is. You know what I mean? Um, well, I've seen people being re- rehabilitated for less. And now, you mm-hmm. know, he can be put on the, uh, you know, on the Mental Health Act saying that he was, right. uh, you know, uh, not there completely when he yeah. did what he did. Mm-hmm. Um, so would he take do jail time? I would think he'd probably be more of a, in the mental, uh, mental health facility more than a, a prison. I think he needs more, more, uh, mental health, uh, assistance than he does hard time. Yeah. That's, I think yeah. the cops realize that too. Especially yeah. Eric LaSalle at the end, because he's yeah. like, mm-hmm. big on the scene, you know, um, you know, like, uh, Sai is asking, you know, can I see the pictures? And he's like, I don't think so. You know, he had that stern, mm-hmm. like, you know, um, like I'm in charge here, you know, you're the one who got caught. But at the end, he was, he was totally like, uh, di- disarmed, you know, mm-hmm. instead of being a police officer, he was more of a, of a human being, you know, uh, he was less PO and more just, you know, we're here to help you. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Like, not like, we'll take mm-hmm. you home, but more of a, I, I see that you're not all there and I'm going to get you the help that you need. Again, that's what I took from it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could definitely see that. Well, okay, you know how the film ends with the picture of the family mm-hmm. and he's in it? Yes. Now, one of the questions the commentary uh, asks itself, you know, the director's mm-hmm. like, so the, is, is this another hallucination of science? Or did the family actually heal from this and yeah. and uh, accept him as a friend of the family? Oh, yeah. Ooh. That's a theory I was reading about too. That I is, is glad. I'm glad you brought that up. Personally, I think it's a hallucination. Um, yeah, I'm going hallucination route too. I I, I think Sai will be in in the mental health facility for a very long time. Yeah, he'll be in treatment for a while, and I don't see him having a con- uh, he'll have a no contact order with that family. 
Um, I can't see the family uh, accept, accepting them after what they went through. Um, so personally, I do as much as I don't want it to happen. I do totally think that'd be a, a hallucination on his part that he, he's going to get his help, but he's not he's not fully healed yet. Yeah, I don't I, I like personally, I don't see the family getting back together. I think that family is done at that point because it's not like the it's not like Will was willing to turn himself in and, you know, admit his wrongdoing. He was simply caught in the act and made a fool of, you know, humiliated. Totally, yeah. Um, I don't, I just, I can't see that. But a lot of couples stay together for their kid too. Now divorce has a higher rate these days. Right. But even 15 years ago, they would probably stay together for the sake of the kid. But then again, be miserable together, you know? Right. Yeah, very possible. maybe she's open-minded and she is forgiving you know, and we'll forgive him because Deepak's book said, you know, the first step to be a better person is to forgive, you know, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Just even the fact that she's reading that book means that she's kind of into enlightenment and right. forgive and forget. I don't read Deepak's book, like, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. But, you know, just the fact that she was reading that book could show that she does have a more of a, of a nurture mentality and that she would accept him in the fold of the family, even mm-hmm. though of his past indiscretions. And... Maybe she, uh, maybe because he cheated on her, she gets a free pass to anything that she wants. You know what I'm saying? So who knows? <laughs> I gotta even, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta balance this teeter totter, my friends. So hello uh, <laughs> Friday night, you know? <laughs> who knows? But yeah, so I still don't think Sills part of the family or Sai. Um, mm-hmm. I, I do think that, that that picture, like him being in the house, is just all in his mind. All right, so. Anything else that we want to talk about on the one-hour photo? Any other final thoughts at all? Uh, I wish I'd watched it sooner. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad you liked it. So, so Ash, what are you? Uh, what are you giving this on our four-star scale here? Uh, I would give it a three and a half out of four. Excellent. And how about you, Mark? Well, final parting words. Those that are looking for nudity. You do see some of um, Maya's bush, and I think you do <laughs> get a good glimpse of uh, Michael Vartan's penis. So those yep. are into that. If that's your uh, one point to see this movie, then well, there is some. Um, <laughs> apart from that, I, I you know that I love the movie the first time I saw it. Um, it's not a movie that I'm in the mood to watch. I don't think I would have picked this up again if it wasn't for this podcast. To be honest with you, and it's mm-hmm. not a critique on the film not being any good. It's just you have to be in a fucking dark mood to watch this. Yeah, um, at least to rewatch, I should say. If you're new to watch thrillers, awesome. But to rewatch the film, um, it takes, you know, I, sorry, my, I just hit the music on my computer here when I jump. Oh, you're feet. fine. I heard something fall. I didn't know what was going yeah, on. Yeah, no, it got reverbs in. Okay. Um, so yeah, um, to, to rewatch it, I probably wouldn't have. I'm glad I did watch it twice. I think I'm good for another decade and a half. Um, <laughs> so I, I would give it three stars. Um, great, great film. But I, it's not something I'd rewatch uh, maybe ever again. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, there's so much to it. I there's just so much to talk about. As you can tell, we almost went, you know, we did an, an hour, did an hour half, straight you know. just on the movie. Exactly, and so I think that's 
you know, it says a lot about the film. Um, and it's only an hour and a half film. So, I mean, you know, there's just, there's just so much to talk about here. The performances are excellent all around. The, uh, the cinematography is just so stark and jarring at times and just does such a great job of telling the story of the subtext, which is something that they kept going on and on about. Uh, the director and the producers and the cinematographer and the editor, uh, even the actors were going on about in uh, some of the special features I was watching was just how this is pretty much all subtext. You know, everything we get from Psy is subtext. And so uh, they just do such a great job of supporting that from every aspect of of the film. Um, so I'm, I'm going to give uh, one hour photo three and a half out of four stars. Uh, definitely, definitely worth worth your time if you haven't seen it yet. So Wunderbar. So next week, we were talking about Perfect Blue. Mm -hmm. Yes. So this is an animated film from 1997. Um, And this one, what what genre would you shove this into? Kind of a psychological? Psychological thriller. Okay. Are there any tentacles in it? Uh, No. (laughs) That's cool. Mark's instantly disappointed. Excellent. So make sure you guys try to find uh, a copy of Perfect Blue. Track that down this week so you can listen to our podcast next week. And again, remember to vote. We want to know what you want to hear us review. Either The Last Starfighter, Rock and Rule, or Zodiac. So just go to cinefessions.com and right on the right-hand sidebar there, you can find the different options. You'll find the poll and just go ahead and pick one. And you can vote up to three times in this poll. So if you want to vote for one film three times, definitely do that. We don't mind. I, I'm ro- I'm rooting for Zodiac because he's like the Robin Williams of the list. So <laughs> I, I, I feel bad for him. So I'm going to vote for Zodiac. Oh, oh man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, make sure you check out Cinefessions.com for more. We have Star Trek Essentials going up every Tuesday and Thursday. Ash just finished season one of the original series. So we, we've just moved on to season two this week. Oh, we are moving on. I don't remember what's exactly Yeah, we, we start including less and less episodes as we move through the second and third seasons. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty good. Uh, uh, it gives you a pretty good idea of how good it gets, you know, how it uh, kind of goes on a downward spiral from here. Not a yeah. spiral, I guess. But. Yeah, it's like the original series works in reverse of the other series. Like the first season is excellent. Mm-hmm. Second season, not so much. Third season, it's really falling apart. And the other spinoff Trek series, the first two seasons are abysmal generally. And the third season's where they finally figure it out. Yeah, man. All right. And coming in May last year, Ash and I did the animation challenge where we just watched some animated films throughout the month of May. This year we are doing the super animation challenge where we are going to be reviewing uh, some superhero animated film, some animated superhero films. So make sure you check that out. That's coming in May. So we got a little ways yet. Well, it's actually already the 19th of April, but (laughs) that'll be coming then. So make sure you check out the website for that. And as always, you can reach us on Twitter at Cinefessions, or you can email us at contact at Cinefessions.com. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to hear how you're liking these episodes. Uh, Anything you, you know, would want different, whatever the case is, just let us know. So again, at Cinefessions on Twitter, or contact at cinefessions.com via email. Mark, Ash, I had a hell of a good time talking about one-hour photos. So thank you guys for uh, for checking it out with me. I appreciate that. Thank you. It was fun. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. 
All right. And I want to thank everyone for listening. We really appreciate you taking, you know, just a, a, an hour and a half, two hours, whatever, a few minutes out of your day to listen to us here, kind of go on and on about whatever it is that we're talking about that week. It really means a lot to us. So thank you guys very much. All right. So that is that for this week. So again, next week we are watching Perfect Blue. And then the following week, we are watching My Science Project. So make sure you check those out, you know, get them from Netflix, get them from your local rental place, wherever the hell you get it from. Just get it so you can watch it and then listen to the podcast. All right. So thank you, everybody, for listening. We will catch you next time. (laughs) Oh, my God. That's perfect. Uh, a photograph would have been more appropriate. But. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. I'm a Look at this dumbass. photograph. Yeah. <laughs> well, we should do karaoke. We'll do, <laughs> 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 we'll do Cinefessions karaoke. Yeah.